Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HBR Minute HCI podcast episode, I explore Amy Gallo's recent HBR video, How to Deal with Remote Conflict. Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Today, in this HBR Minute episode, I will explore Amy Gallo's recent HBR video, How to Deal with Remote Conflict. Amy Gallo, author of the HBR Guide to Dealing with Conflict, explains why conflicts are more likely to escalate through text-based communication and says that even in the Zoom era, a phone call may be the best solution. She also points out that there can be upsides to having to resolve differences remotely. Thank you for joining me today, and I'll catch you on the flip side of this first clip. You know, it's funny. I was always the kid, like when a fight broke out on the playground, that was like, fine. I just always found people clashing, sort of trying to sort things out, get their needs met, try to communicate well. Like I always just found that really interesting. I mean, it conflict is a normal, inevitable part of interacting with human beings. The number one thing that's that's we don't have now that we do when we're in in person is the sort of casual walk by someone's desk check out how they're responding in the meeting. We don't get all those informal, nonverbal cues that we used to get when we were in an office together. When we're remote, we are often communicating with text-based communication mediums. So that might be Slack or email or even text message. Those types of communication are ripe for miscommunication, for misunderstanding. When you get people together in a group, conflict will inevitably emerge at some point. It's just a natural byproduct of the human condition. And it's even in the best of conditions, it's a challenging thing to know how to deal with conflict and how to manage it and resolve conflict uh, so that at least we can leverage it in a healthy way to help uh, help our teams and our organizations move forward. Constructive conflict can be a really great thing, uh, but if we devolve into a never-ending, never-ceasing uh, situation where where it's just driven by conflict constantly, then obviously that's disruptive. Now, even when we're in person, conflict can arise, and that can be a really challenging thing to deal with. What do you do when you're trying to deal with conflict and all of your workers are remote. That's what she's addressing here in this HBR video, and it connects back to her own conflict uh, piece with 
the Harvard Business Review. And she has some really good insights that you'll hear here in just a moment. Uh, but it really is important for us to consider as leaders during a time of pandemic and technological disruption where we're going to see more and more remote workers on an ongoing basis that we have to make sure that we understand the nature of human conflict and how it's going to translate over into the virtual world and what we can do to leverage a healthy conflict and hopefully manage conflict effectively. We tend to misattribute other people's words and actions. Our brains, when we're, we're making judgments, was that email rude? Did that person leave me out of that meeting? We're making those with our reflexive, non-conscious brain. That's the part of our brain that we use to assess whether our environment is safe, whether there are any threats. When we are able to then access our conscious part of our brain, we then use that to actually build the story that confirms the judgment we make. So the email comes in, I feel a little uneasy, like, ooh, is that threatening to me? I then look for details that prove that this person has some negative intention. And then I'm gonna sort of tell myself a story about why that person did that, that reinforces my instinctive interpretation of it. In a world of virtual work, it's just so easy to have misunderstandings. Because we're not there face to face, we can't read body language or facial expressions or even gauge tone of voice. And so when we're reading text-based communications, we can read into and project a lot of our own crap onto whoever happens to be communicating with us and our, our biases, while always, you know, there's the potential for them to, to influence our perceptions and our understanding of how we interact with people, I think it's an even heightened level of, uh, of impact when we're dealing with the written word without those other nonverbal cues to help us better understand. And so we need to take advantage of the benefits of a virtual um, workplace so that we can mitigate the negative downsides of a virtual workplace when we're dealing with work-related conflict. And that means we need to be willing to take a step back. We need to pause. We need to reflect on, um, on what we're seeing and try to be generous in our interpretation. And if we can do that, then we can sidestep some misconceptions, miscommunications, and we can avoid a lot of the potential conflict before it even arises. And then once it does arise, we're gonna be in a better position to respond to it proactively and in a productive manner. If you think you're getting into a conflict with someone, very first thing you wanna do is take time to think it through. And this is one of the great benefits of being in a remote setting. You don't necessarily have to see that person right away because your instinct is likely going to be telling yourself a negative story about the other person, you really have to counter that by asking yourself what would a logical, generous interpretation of their behavior be. We're working in a pandemic here. People are under pressures that we don't always understand. Admit to yourself that you don't truly know what's going on for that person. Yes, try to be generous in your interpretation. 
recognize that we don't know really what's going on in the mind of that individual who's communicating with us and and show some empathy and sympathy and some understanding around the conditions that we're in. It's a time of heightened stress and anxiety and we just don't know what someone else has gone through that day. And it's very possible that you've just borne the brunt of a nasty email where they did intend offense. Uh, that's, that's completely possible. But just because that's how they communicate, it doesn't mean that's really the way they feel. Uh, we, we do things all the time when we're tired or hungry or stressed. And not to, to give people a pass on bad behavior, but we can also just remember that valued coworkers sometimes won't be at their best, just like we won't be at our best. And we would hope that people would be generous with us and forgiving towards us. And, and so we should do the same towards other people. And when we're in a virtual environment, we can do that pretty easily just by pausing. And rather than firing off uh, an email in response to that nasty email you just received, whether it's actually nasty or that's just your perception, uh, take take a moment and pause. And before sending off your reply, you know, really consider what might be going on. I had a recent experience with a colleague uh, where where there was a little bit of a uh, choppy uh, exchange via email. We went back and forth a couple times, and it was very clear that we were talking past each other. And it was very clear that we were taking offense on both sides. Um, I paused. I got myself in my my uh, kind of anger under control a little bit, and I called this person up on the phone rather than reply by email again. And I just expressed my desire to help uh, the other person, uh, that we could understand each other, um, apologized for uh, for being hard in my email and hoping that they would be willing to, to look past that and, and be forgiving. Um, and we just had that kind of a conversation. It was brief, um, but we were able to reset. And uh, the other individual uh, appreciated it. I, he softened almost immediately and realized he had also misstepped and also apologized. And, and ultimately, we were able to just move on in a positive way. Now, that was a, a good positive outcome. It's not always going to turn out quite like that. But if we can just recognize uh, that we don't always know everything, we don't know um, what's going on behind the scenes, and just be generous with each other, that can go a long, long way. When you're actually starting to have the conversation, it's really not helpful to focus on the interpersonal dynamic. Usually there's an underlying business issue, a, a task conflict, a disagreement over the goal, or a process conflict. What is it that you actually need to get done? And what is it you have in common? What is your shared goal? That's a much better place to start a discussion from than I think you're a mean person or you've been a passive aggressive jerk. This advice is always important, I think, regardless of whether we're in person or we're virtual. 
working remotely in a pandemic kind of a situation. Uh, if there's conflict, one of our natural tendencies, uh, human nature response, is to start to point fingers, cast blame, and really make it about the individual. Uh, you know, this person is stupid, this person is mean, this person is a jerk, whatever. You know, fill in the blank. Uh, we, we tend to do that all the time in our heads. And sometimes, unfortunately, that even comes out of our mouths or, or we type it up and it, we send it in an email. And that's just not going to be productive, even if you're right, even if the person is being a jerk. Uh, telling them that, calling them a jerk, isn't going to do anything to resolve the conflict or to move things forward in a productive way. So you need to look for common ground. And just because there's some sort of a clash, it might be an interpersonal kind of uh, a personality type of clash. Uh, perhaps it's just an honest difference of opinion around data or uh, strategy or, or, or how to move things forward. Uh, but ultimately, if we can just make it a, about the common shared concern of the business goal, the organizational goal, then we can tackle that issue. And frankly, I don't have to see eye to eye with somebody in like 90% of of what that other person might think or feel. Um, you know, someone could have vastly different social, political, religious, uh, cultural views than I do. Um, and, and in some cases, they might even have views that I would find abhorrent. But in the workplace, we have a shared purpose. We have shared goals. And we can focus on those goals. And we can work collaboratively and effectively to help move them forward. And just like I might find their views and their, their beliefs abhorrent, they might find my views and my beliefs abhorrent. And ultimately, it just doesn't matter. Uh, I need to value our professional relationship. I need to treat others with dignity and respect, even when and uh, perhaps particularly when they disagree with me. And that shared common ground, finding it and then moving forward towards resolving that business goal, that will help us to get past any sticking point, any challenge that we might be facing in the moment. You know where a horrible place to have a difficult conversation is? Over email, Slack, or text. You can use all the emojis in the world, but you're not going to say, convey the same emotion and um, detail that you would convey with even just the tone of your voice. It's best to increase the fidelity of that conversation. Raise the synchronicity, so we're having the conversation at the same time. Raise the the amount of interaction it requires. Now video helps that, but it doesn't quite reach that same level. There's a lot we miss with video, either sometimes the sound isn't right, sometimes you see yourself, there's just so much going on. There's some people who would even say having a phone conversation is better than video. Sometimes a phone call actually lets you really focus in on that person and really hear what they're saying and be able to articulate what you want to say without distraction. Yes, the mode of communication is really important. And we all are probably experiencing a lot of Zoom fatigue right now. Uh, we are in endless virtual meetings, uh, video conference meetings, and it is wearing. And just because someone might look bored or they might be resting their their head on their hand or 
you know, appear tired or whatever, like the body language issues, the facial expression issues that we experience in a, in person don't necessarily translate over to a virtual environment where people forget that they're on camera, they're in this room by themselves. Um, so we can't necessarily, uh, draw a whole lot of information uh, from that, but we, the, the problem is we, we shouldn't, but we still do. And, and oftentimes, um, the conclusions we come to aren't accurate. Um, they're not even remotely accurate. And so text-based communication can be a challenge, but even video-based communication can be difficult. And I completely agree with her that oftentimes just a quick phone call can make all the difference. You don't need to always be on video. Uh, when you're having meetings, just because the technology exists and just because we're having so many Zoom meetings doesn't mean they always need to be video meetings. Just pick up the phone, have a brief conversation. And uh, just the other day, uh, maybe three or four days ago, I had uh, a situation where there's a little bit of conflict. There was some internal politicking stuff going on. And and one of the people on the team um, just shot me a quick email and said, hey, you know, I'm a little uncomfortable about this. Um, can I call you? And I said, sure. Yeah. Give my cell phone a call. And he called and, and we had a really nice 20 minute chat, um, where we were able to just be very clear with each other. And we, we were clear that we valued each other, um, and our working relationship. We, we missed up, we, uh, we cleaned up any miscommunication that may have occurred. Uh, and, and we were able to, uh, to resolve things much quicker than if I had tried to communicate all of that via email, or even if we jumped on a quick video call, um, because we were just focused intently on each other's voice and um, and what the other person was saying, rather than some of the other elements that at times can be a little distracting and not and honestly not actually give us um, valid uh, information. So phone calls, good. Uh, text-based communication can be very effective, but we got to be careful. And video also can be very effective, but we have to be careful. When you have a disagreement with someone and you get to the other side, you tend to have a stronger relationship. In the process of resolving a disagreement, we've had to share assumptions, we've had to explain our thinking, we've had to maybe be vulnerable. I've seen this with my daughter when she was younger. She would go to her friend, best friend Sophie's house. You know, they would have a sleepover. They would come home. She'd come home and she'd say, it was a great time. Sophie and I fought the whole time. We disagreed about what movie to watch, where to sleep, whether her brother should be involved in our game. And I would ask, you know, why, why, would, why was that fun? And she said, well, because now Sophie and I are BFFs. Going through a difficult time together does tend to form a stronger bond. And ultimately, this is a really good point and a good way to frame the positive outcomes from constructive conflict. And that is, I mean, again, it's inevitable. Conflict will happen anytime you get two human beings together. Um, just ask my wife. You know, my wife and I love each other very much. And we spend a lot of time and energy trying to communicate effectively and to to meet each other's needs and, and to help each other know how we feel and all of those things. Um, but conflict still arises even with the people you love, even when your intentions are pure and, and 
the best case scenario, conflict can still arise. And so you just have to be able to confront it and to deal with it head on and not shy away from it, not pretend like it's not there, not put your head in the sand and ignore it, but just address it. And when we do that, when we're proactive, when workplace conflict occurs, whether it's in-person or whether it's virtual conflict, when we're proactive about it and we address it, then we can actually build stronger relationships of trust, more mature relationships where we recognize you know, that we're not going to throw each other under the bus the first chance we get just because someone disagrees with us or we have a fight, but no, that we care enough about each other to work through the challenges, to work through the conflict, just like anyone who makes a marriage work has to do. We, you know, you have to do to a lesser extent, but you have to do the same thing with workplace relationships and with your boss and uh, with your colleagues. We have to always be uh, looking for a way to build something positive out of miscommunication, misunderstanding, or the types of conflict that, that arise. And I think about some of my strongest relationships, whether it be personal relationships, workplace relationships, whatever, and in almost every instance, and in, in fact, you know, as I really consider it, probably in every instance, we have shown our capacity to overcome challenges together. And as we've shown that capacity, we lean on each other, we rely on each other, we trust each other. When I haven't had those types of crucible experiences with people, you know, I haven't had any conflict with them ever. I might think they're perfectly lovely people, um, but we don't have the same level of kind of interpersonal, emotional um, intimacy, uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, we, we just don't have that. And so I, I wouldn't think of them in the same way uh, as, as someone that I can trust as fully as I would someone that I've gone through that process with. All of this is to say conflict in and of itself is actually not bad at all. Uh, it, it's, it's needed, it's necessary to drive disruption and innovation and to help us disrupt the status quo and improve things. It's only through conflict that improvement happens. Uh, but we can't allow ourselves in, to get into a downward spiral where we're just having negative interactions all the time. We need to disrupt the, the negative and leverage conflict in a productive way to drive good, positive outcomes. I hope you have enjoyed this HBR Minute HCI podcast episode. I appreciate you joining me today. And as always, I hope you stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think.
Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.